Welcome to our podcast where we share our experience as first-generation Haitian-Americans through our different experiences and perspectives on our culture while we're creating a safe space. I'm Elisa Fania. I'm Soraya. And we have two cousins joining us. Mm-hmm. Talking about adulting. From up north. Uh, we have my sister. Oh, first time. First timer. Hi, it's Christy. Woo-hoo. Hey, Christy. And we got like that returning dude that you returning. heard on the last podcast. The dude. On the <laughs> that dude. Juju on the beat. That juju on the beat. Pull, 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 pull. Juju's here. guys welcome on this beautiful evening i don't know if it's beautiful for you guys the weather took a weird turn here it's kind of chilly today but we're gonna hit the 80s later this week so yeah i saw you in a little sweater and i was like i thought it was warm i'm surprised i'm in a sweater too honestly you even dress yourself like you wear (laughs) shorts and a jacket like i don't know how you dress yourself for weather like that that's crazy and Julian, it's raining in Florida, so... You know what? It's really sad. I live in an apartment that has a garage. I get in a car, and I drive into another garage. I get in my office. I literally have not had any reactions with the weather today at all. Like the wind doesn't touch your skin at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even put the window down. <laughs> it's, it's like I some sort of like sad black mirror episode. Because it seems like you're becoming vitamin D deficient. Oh, how do you know? I, no, because a, a large portion of Floridians I mean, are vitamin D deficient. Oh, nice. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. People with like my office brown now. has definitely changed shade to a shade. You've got it in um a lighter tone. <laughs> I used to be like a nice coffee color. Now it's, I don't know. We're not going to, it's beautiful. Your melanin is still beautiful. I mean, I am exfoliating a lot, so. <laughs> well, this will lead us to our question we like to ask everyone. Sac passe. You guys already told us how you're doing. But just, you know, sac passe in your everyday lives besides the weather. Uh, yeah, it's the usual with me. You know, work, gym, DC life. You got those abs yet? She has abs. She showed me the other yeah, day. So I was like, Lisa was right. Julian, sac passe. Not living. Uh, planning lots of trips. I feel like a travel agent. I think we have a big trip that's coming up, and I think there's about three or four individual trips that, that I've got going on. So being my own little traveler right now. Tell me, tell me, I want to go. Take me out to Lobo. No, no. Really? It's one of those no. kinds of trips? All right, fair. I don't want to go with you anyway. Oh, I'm sorry, I suck This week, it's just Tuesday, right? But this week <laughs> seems like it's been hard. I think, you know, just kind of dealing with the everyday stresses as best as I can. What about you, Lisa? I um, agree with you about the week, but it's like the, the continuations of last week and just um, just learning how to really not regress in certain decisions in your life and just not, you know, just be as positive as you can and move forward and get this, you know, growth, like Kelly says, on insecure growth, trying to grow as best as I can without regressing. But Mm. find yourself like going back to things that you did like in fifth grade or like two three years ago or is it like other stuff oh like other stuff like things that like you're trying to avoid doing like break from like break from bad habits 
trying to create new habits, you know, like working out more, you know, okay. trying to get abs like Christy. <laughs> That's going to be the motto. Get abs like Christy. Get abs like Christy. Hey. Let's get that um, on the t-shirt. <laughs> yes, that yes. would be a great t-shirt. <laughs> oh, man, it's going to be a crop top so you can show off the abs. All right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so let's We got merch. Our yes, we got segment. Juju on that beat. And oh no, we can't. That's definitely copyright. We it's not actually. I listened okay. to it. All right, all right. Uh, our next segment is Conzi Muno, and we're just gonna pay tribute to moms. You know the American Mother's Day. The real Mother's Day is at the end of the, the month. Haitian the Haitian Mother's Day, Day is two about two weeks away, but we celebrate both. Lucky them. <laughs> Um, and we just want to know what is maybe something from your mom, whether you live by it, swear by it, or hesitate to, to even listen to it, if that makes any sense. (laughs) Okay. Um, so mine was, or is, I don't know, is to always wear clean underwear and underwear without any holes because the paramedics (laughs) will come and take you and you will have holes in your underwear or if they will be dirty. And so... I like kind of still live. No, I live by that. Oh. <laughs> you know, sometimes the underwears have holes, and you're just like, okay. <laughs> True. Breeze, a breeze. They're like, so, yeah, they're just like at home ones. You don't really go out on the streets unless you're doing some. But errands. when you're putting on those underwears, are you not like, damn it, my mom would be so upset with me. Yeah, yeah. I know the feeling. No, she would be. Yeah. Yeah, so mine is sort of in line with Lisa's. So, like, Haitian moms, my mom, all our aunties, our grandma, they are always, like, looking polished, you know? Like, they look great. Like, they take that seriously. So, you know, you got to, if your nails are painted, you can't have chipped nails. So I'm always, like, thinking about that. For me, like, that last touch my mom does is she puts on perfume. So that's my thing. Like, I always put a little perfume right before I step out the house. Mm. Nice. Santi bon. Santi Santi Yeah. Excuse me. I think for me, it will be to protect your neck, which comes as <laughs> basically in Creole, it's protege. What? Cool. Protect your neck is just in my head forever. And this applies, you know, when it's cold outside, uh, you don't want to catch a cold. Um, also like having wet hair when it's cold, that, that's something my mom said you were going to catch a cold and a flu. That was a thing like all the time. So constantly when, when I'm getting dressed and it's like lower weather, I'm thinking of those things and holes, making sure I ain't got no holes in my underwear. That's <laughs> the truth. Woman, Julian? Um, which is actually funny. So I think you guys all experienced this. You're not allowed to have lots of people at your house, like friends included. And one of the things that when my mom said you can start bringing friends over, she used to just like have a list and she would just mark off like things that she would <laughs> recognize about these friends. And one she was like, I don't like so-and-so. And I was like, why? Because he, he you know, just random stuff. His uh, shoes were dirty. It's like he took mm-hmm. his shoes off at the door, but... She kind of taught me in a way to just be very close or be mindful of the uh, company that I keep because she was always, 
always judging my friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. That does seem like a a good Haitian mom's tendency. Yeah, mm-hmm. but writing it down—that's a good one. That's a that's, note. That's a bit. That's <laughs> a bit <laughs> Okay, she's she wanted to remember exactly what it was that bothered her. All right. So this week we're going to be talking about finances, adulting. Adulting, part of adulting is adulting. Scam ash. Lisa hates adulting. I don't know if you can tell from the tone. You guys, are you guys enjoying adulting? I'm. I'm not a fan. Not a fan at all. (laughs) Chrissy, it has its perks, but man, it feels like a lot of work. Okay, so this week, uh, finances. um, The scam. So you want to ask the first question? Scam. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Scam. Um, so what is your earliest memory that um of money? What? That's not what I wrote. Yeah, but no, because it's like you, I, my so my earliest I'm memory sorry. of you You're is Go ahead. fine, fine. <laughs> It's just funny because of your reaction. What is the earliest memory that influenced your relationship with money? (laughs) All right, I'll take this one. Um, I believe it was just basically seeing that money got you things. Um, And then when I couldn't get the things I wanted, it was always there's not enough money for it. So I was like, great, I need to get a lot of money to get all these things. So it, from an early age, as long as I recognized, um, like, I guess, legal tender, <laughs> I knew it was different from like toys, like the Monopoly uh, money and stuff. But I think that's my earliest memory was like shopping with my mom and figuring that out. What about you, Christy? Yeah. Yeah. Mine's a sort of similar. I don't know if you remember this, right? But Growing up on my little dresser thing, I had this little box. I think it was this little red box, and I used it as, like, a piggy bank. And that's sort of where I kept my money, so I didn't have an allowance. That's where I would put, like, my birthday money, like, any little money I'd receive. I'd just, like, put it in a little piggy bank. And I would use that to buy myself whatever I wanted. And I think I understood pretty early on that, like, if there was something I wanted to get, like, you know, my mom couldn't didn't just have any extra disposable income like that. So like, I'd probably have to pay for it myself. So, you know, I saved up for what I wanted. Like that concept I caught on pretty early on. Like if I wanted- And nobody taught you that? Not directly. It was just uh, like, that's what I learned from seeing Just from observation, yeah. Right. I think like really quickly, the box, I didn't know that was the case until the box like fell and all your money came out. And I was like, what? I like kept my jewelry like on top and then like no you hit it well you hit it well if I knew maybe I would have I would have taken it but I didn't know well it's hard to follow that one up because that's very responsible and very- like, I know <laughs> man like, I, know. I was gonna talk about money <laughs> that's fair my first relationship with money was about scheming uh the P Diddy video with shake it like your tail feathers um, came out in the summer of whenever the hell it came out, and Nelly had these Nikes on that had shocks on the bottom of them. Yes, and I wanted I them so oh gosh, yes. bad. 
But mm-hmm. Nikes were, I, I think they were like 150 which might as well have been $1,000 to me back then. And I learned that I don't have the money, so let's create a scheme in order to make sure that I get the item, which required money. So then I created a scheme where it was basically, I'm going to inundate the people with the money on what I want until I get what I want. And um, I've had a very strong sales career based off of that experience. <laughs> oh, wow. That's Look actually, at you, you know, see? Look at, <laughs> it's a different skill set. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was, I don't know. I don't think it's similar. But there's two. So it's life. The game life. I used to play it with Christy and Soraya all the time. And it was just like, oh, this is what's going to happen. You didn't think it my- was a scam then? Wait, I didn't. Same though. I'll let you finish. Let me let you finish. <laughs> it was because it's like you could lose all your money. You can gain a whole bunch of money. Right. You could take people's money yeah. off. So. You like ended up with four kids. One more time, like somebody had six or eight kids at the end. Like, you had to get two, two cars. cars. One. <laughs> and you were a single mom. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I guess that is life, unexpected. But <laughs> damn. <laughs> uh, my second one is. So um, I guess the summer going into freshman year, my mom would go to Costco and buy um, these these candies, like these fruit, roll, not fruit roll up, but like the candy straws, the sour straws. And what I would do mm-hmm. is in um, my summer school class, I would sell them. So she would give like I would steal a whole bunch and I would go and I would sell them and I make like 10 to 20 bucks. And then go and buy things. Right. Or like buy people things because that's what I do with my money and buy other things for people. And that's when I knew, like, the relationship. I was just like, oh, you do this, you make money. You do mm-hmm. this, you get more money. And so, yeah, scamming the kids in school. And then telling my mom, oh, I ate it all. And she would buy more. Scheming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, my mom did not buy more. She said, it's not time yet. We're not going to the grocery store until this day. So then I would try to eat Christie's candy. And, she, of course, she was so good at saying, God, oh. <laughs> All right. Next question. <laughs> How did you learn to budget, invest, put your money in 401ks? That's my biggest regret. I, yeah. Biggest regret. Kind of regret. There's no better time than now, right? Well, yeah. Like, um, yeah. Like being at the com- like the company I'm in for so long. It, um, yeah. I should have started in the beginning, but when I was younger, I was all up in about that. I was about the 401ks, the life thrift saving plans. I, I have money from there that can transfer over to whatever I do, but. Yeah. But, I mean, in your defense, what 18 year old is like thinking about that? So. I was a little bit older. Apparently you were better. Like <laughs> uh, yeah, Chrissy, you knew that. didn't know about a 401k. I, no, I need a box. <laughs> The box right. was the 401k. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, life circumstances taught me how to budget. I didn't really have bills or like pay for things on my own really until I got into college. So see, that's when I got my first job and I pretty much relied on financial aid and like my paychecks to pay my bills. So I was, I had to budget, right? Um, I didn't really have like a safety net or like I knew I didn't have like parents that would bail me out of a bad financial situation. So I pretty had to make like smart money moves from early on. The investing part didn't come until more recently, I think. Just being more stable and being comfortable in my position. 
now I'm interested in, you know, not just having money in the box, but having that money in the box, like make money. (laughs) Damn straight. (laughs) So yeah, I'm just like trying to learn about investments and getting help doing that. Yeah. Kristen, you started talking about the other day. What was your first job? My first, oh my God, my first job was the best job I had ever had. My first job was in undergrad. We had a private movie theater. I mean, it was open to the public. That was your first job? You created that job. (laughs) I went up there because there was like a list of work study options and they're all office jobs. And I was like, I do not want to do this. There's a movie theater on campus. I want to work there. So I like went over there. I asked them if they're hiring and they're like, "Uh, not really, but because you asked, we'll make a job for you. So yeah, it worked. It happened to everyone. It does. does. (laughs) She looked for it. She wanted it. She put it in the ether and she got it. Yeah. Yeah. And they had a coffee shop too. So I worked at the theater and the coffee shop and did homework most of the time. It was a it was a nice job, minimum wage, but you know, great job, great first job. You're getting paid to do your homework. That's the best, Julian. My first job. Well, how, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think my first job was like a security guard out of high school, where I got to ride around on a golf cart, and I mean, you were a cop. What were you securing? literally a capital one like business park and the funny thing is is there was no expectations on it it wasn't like what you see now at the mall where people are like hitting a button or something like that it was you showed up and you either were on the golf cart and you just moved from (laughs) one area to another area or you sat and you watched up the cameras it was like the cliche movie job (laughs) you were on yeah, some stupid moron said, you should, you know, take advantage of your career. And lo and behold, I had no idea. That job was no stress, no expectation. <laughs> I should have stayed there for my entire life. But um, that was my first my job. Entire life. <laughs> Both of your first jobs are, like, nice and, like, stress-free. Stress-free. I worked at Cold Stone. But I think, Yours I think wasn't- both of our jobs right now are pretty stressful. So we, we're making up for it. <laughs> Your first job, Lisa? Was Cold Stone Creamery. She smelled like ice cream when she came home. It was beautiful. That's when I learned I am really good at customer service. I can upcharge you like a bitch. Upsell. Upsell. Upsell them, not charge. (laughs) And then they're going to come back like, what? I can upsell really easily with my little, like, yeah. Demon. (laughs) Julian and you are scheming. I'm just about to ask, what is the phone? Your bill was three dollars, but I'm just gonna say it's three fifty. <laughs> and they pay it. And they pay it. Soraya. Like Christy said, we had the same parents, so <laughs> I kind of took heed as well that I wasn't going to be um I didn't have that safety net as well. So I my first job was Kmart and it was horrible. <laughs> And I, but it was my dream job because I became a cashier and I it's funny I went around my family and I was like I made it this was the job I wanted when I was younger um, and I made it I don't even have to go to school anymore but thank God I went to school because I couldn't be a cashier there for too much <laughs> and I came for too much down. longer did it yeah, finally I, don't think it's I feel like my anymore. mom still goes there 
Uh, <laughs> anywho. Why um, you had your two cousins working with you? No, I never got to talk to them. <laughs> My two cousins also worked there, but we never got to talk to each other because they kept the cashiers separate from the other employees. It was super weird. And I had the weirdest manager that swore she like ruled the world. And I was like, I'm, I just, okay. Um, so, so from your first jobs, um, again, like Christy answered earlier, um, how did it teach you to like, or how did it help you budget? And then from where you are from then to now budgeting to investing? I mean, my first job was very, I mean, my first couple of jobs were very tight when it came to finances. So it was almost a juggling act where it constantly felt like, oh, I had to know that check was coming in because that bill is going out, blah, blah, blah. And uh, as I've transitioned into what my career is, which is like sales leadership, um, I can control my money. So it's been a little bit different because I can say, hey, I really want to focus on whatever it might be. And I know that's going to give me X result and yields a different amount in my pay. So I've lived in a world where I can say, you know what, I want to increase my pay by 10% and I can just turn it on. Um, But what I used to do early on in my career was I would take that extra income and burn it. And now I just go, you know, here's my lifestyle. I want to live at like a $75,000 annual income. And then I just take the rest and invest. And what I found is if you just set it up in the beginning, so that way you don't even have to touch it where the 401k takes that, your Roth IRA takes that, your other investments take that before you even see it. Like it's on autopilot. So the money you have is just what you need to live on essentially. And then your investments and your retirement take care uh, of itself before you get involved. I would agree with that. I think that's one of the best advice I've gotten starting off, um, like with a salary. It was essentially when you allocate everything beforehand, like retirement, savings, all that stuff, and the actual uh, check, the actual amount that gets deposited in your account after all those things have been taken out, like that's what you learn to live off of. You like don't even miss that money because you never knew what it was to live with that extra money. So mm. it's like you pay yourself first because um, that's what retirement and savings and all that stuff is. It's money going back to you. <laughs> you just don't sit my, down the present. That's what my second boss told me. And he said, you have to make sure, because we were doing this big 401k push and trying to get people signed up for it within our company. And he was like, you have to let people know like they need to pay themselves first um, before anything. And what he meant by that was, 401k, like that 4%, like we're going to match it. So make sure you're getting full advantage of it. And right. It's like free money. Let it go. Exactly. Like just let yeah. it go. Pay That's yourself the second first. piece of advice. Yeah. Don't leave that free money on the table. How, what advice would you give to somebody like in college who is, whose credit's just starting out or um, they turned 18 and parents may have used their credit Um, their names for their credit to like build up their credit again. Like, what would you be your advice? Cause um, you know, a goal over here is credit's not the best, but we try, we try. Yeah. I would say don't, I mean, a lot of people don't have the, Oh, my parents set me up for good credit. Um, But the first thing you got to do is get a secured credit card where you basically put the money on the credit card and it's a limit of, However, money it is, however much money it is that you have, like 500, and that is your credit limit. Um, those tend to have a pretty manageable 
um, interest rate. And then also, too, is you don't get those, oh, you've been qualified for $5,000, especially if you're saying 18. $5,000 can get out of hand real quick with a 24% APR. Mm. Right. Never. I never spent that much, even if I had a high credit limit. It sounds really basic, but to live within your means to... Well, what does that look like? If you're not, you can't be spending more than you're making. That's first rule number one, because you're going to end up in the negative. I mean, you know, when you're younger, you know, you had, like Chrissy said, she put the savings in the box and she used it to buy what she wanted. And when it was gone, it wasn't like she wasn't going to eat the next day. Her mom was still (laughs) feeding her. But in college, she couldn't do the same thing. She couldn't take the paycheck that she got from her her movie theater job and and blow it on whatever she wanted. She knew she had to she had to feed herself. That was her responsibility at the time. And 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 she hopefully I don't think she was she hopefully wasn't spending more than she was bringing in because then it accrues debt. And and that's not good for your credit to a certain extent. Yeah, I think that's. Probably. Yeah, that's what that little box taught me. Just essentially, I never let the box like go low either. Like if it was like go empty. So if it was like running low, that's when I was like, all right, I can't spend money until like I get more money. Because what if there's a surprise like CD I want to buy in a month that comes out and like I need to. So at that time, what was that limit? Like, what is a CD? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I was in like elementary school, middle school. That's when I started with that with my little piggy bank box. Um, so let's let's break it down because it's just like living on your means. People sometimes need numbers. So what was that limit for you guys in college um, that you you wouldn't go under based off of the salary, the, the minimum wage that you were making? It's just based on what you're comfortable with. I mean, I never let it get past like. I don't I mean, I was making like minimum wage, so probably like no less than like a hundred dollars in my account because like. I never wanted it to go negative, but you just make that for yourself. Um, You determine how much money based on like what your income is, just what are your expenditures? And if it's more than what you're making, you need to find a way to decrease spending in one area. Um, And luckily today, there are like lots of apps that can help with that, like lots of free apps that help with budgeting, which I use sometimes. Um, That helps me stay on track. But it's like learning to tell yourself, no, like, I don't have the money to get this right now. So. And it's good if you guys practice that pay yourself first. So you take all of that money out of your income and you you hide it so you don't see it. And then you know that if you deplete this account, that that's you, you still have money in your savings or you still have money set aside. So that's something that you can do because most people, if they see it, they spend it. Yeah, and that's actually a really good point. And I would say the other important thing that I would say to somebody who's just starting off is leverage your uh, automatic, uh, what is it called, where you get paid. Yeah, the um, direct deposit. Leverage your direct deposit. You should have a checking account and savings account that you use for your regular day-to-day stuff. And then you should have a checking account that is very difficult to access. So uh, I actually got this from my sister. Just lose your password. Uh, well, no, is like she had a checking account that she, let's say Bank of America, that she operated with day to day and she had a credit card and yada, yada. But then she had a separate account, which did not have a debit card. And maybe she had to write checks, which she would put a smaller amount. So like 
5% of her pay. So direct deposit came in and it was 95% is going here, 5% is going here. So that way it was small enough where it wasn't really impacting her, you know, operating budget, but it was enough where she was actually saving something because most people don't save anything. So Mm -hmm. by doing that, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I did it too. When I saw my savings account and I had that mobile app, I was like, oh, checking account's getting low. Drop it into my, move it from Mm -hmm. my savings into my checking. But by having two separate um, uh, financial institutions, she purposely set up some Roblox so that way it was like, do I really need to buy that CD? And she would, you know, try and get that money. She was and, 12. Uh, <laughs> I don't need it. Well, this was like when she was like 20. Um, but it really taught <laughs> me something. And I've always shared that piece. Is, and I have it where it's a certain account where in, within my checking account or my accounts that I have set up, like it is a pain in the ass to get money out of it. Um, I can't just transfer it back and forth. Um, and she did it with different financial institutions. And I just do that within my own one financial institution. And it's paid off a ton because I've tried to move money in it. And by three days that goes by where I actually get the money. I'm like, shit, I really don't want it. Move it back. <laughs> so that's like, that's your, that's your transfers. Safety. I think um, you're allowed like three transfers and that's it. <laughs> so I've heard, or I've actually had, and it's actually helped me is, um, like piggybacking off of what you're saying, Julian, is have multiple accounts. So you have multiple accounts do different things. So I guess within your college year transitioning to um, being what working adults, you have several accounts. So you have your account for bills, you have your account for fun, you have your account for savings, and then you have your account for um, investing. And Bo actually taught me, just like your sister, is online accounts like um, Ali are easier because they're so much harder for you to get money out of. So that could be ways that you can be able to save your money where you can see it, but it's harder for you to transfer. So just like Julian, he put those safety nuts up where even though he transfers it, he doesn't need it by that time. He gets it like 72 hours later. So he can just put it right back in and continue to accrue into that account. I like the word you use, the safety net rule. Mm -hmm. So because, well, Christy and I perceived that we didn't have a safety net. We had to make the, our own safety nets. And in a sense, it's you're working and learning to create your own safety net um, because we are adults now and we are responsible for ourselves. So that's a really good word, I think. And um, honestly, our final question between, again, from ranging from 18 year olds to people in their 60s. What tools have helped each one of you um, help you in your savings, your investing, and just helping you get your credit back up? Um, I would say just using technology. There's tons of articles and podcasts dedicated to this stuff. Do you have one Um, specifically? uh, Not anymore, because this is going to be the second part of my answer. Um, but to get started, I use those things to better understand um, what to do because a lot of people make mistakes. They oversave and it's like it's not doing anything for you. I had a rule, which is I never have more than three months in my checking account of like my expenses and like emergency fund that I need to have. Everything else needs to make its own money. So I'll put it in other places. But if you get to the point where you can afford it, which affordable is you can get a financial advisor. I would, I've had a financial advisor since I was 28. And then you can just tell them, here's what I want to do. Here are my goals. Here's what I want to 
um, retire. Here's how much money I want to um, live off of. And then give you a plan. And then your job is to execute on said plan. So um, I'm not somebody that's financially savvy or have the account self-accountability to follow that plan. Um, but if somebody can give me the data and say, I'm taking your money and you can't do anything with it unless we have a conversation about it, then I can um, get into that. But again, the guy cost me $2,000 a year on top of just a little, uh, like out of my own pocket. And then he makes money on top of that, but it's nothing crazy. And that's like a 20, 30 year plan that he and I are on. Well, okay. Chrissy, do you have any advice? Yeah, similar to what Julian said, I would say starting off um, like free apps like Mint or, well, I I, I use Mint when I started off, but it's like you link it to your uh, bank accounts. And so it keeps track of all your transactions and then it creates like nice little charts too to show you where you spend your money. And so maybe first starting there and like seeing an idea of like what you're spending your money on um, based on how much money you're bringing in and doing that comparison, like what's coming in and going out. I think that's a good way to start. And that could be a place for you to start with your budget, educating yourself. So, yeah, like pot, there are tons of podcasts, books. And after a while, you realize they all sort of start saying similar things. Um, so you'll like pick up some things there and then. Uh, for the things that I can't do myself, like investments, I just can't wrap my head around it. I don't understand it. That's where I outsource that to. Um, so I'm also lucky enough to work with a financial planner and he's sort of helping me get to my financial goals. Yeah. Can I double down on something that you just said, which is it is extremely if you do not have a checking account or financial institution that can do this for you, then you need to move your money where they will break down your expenses. So Mint is a really good one. Simple bank. We've had a beef. Um, but <laughs> like, isn't that the bank? <laughs> we've had a beef. That was the bank in Toronto. You yeah, it was. Bank. That was that bank. Now, granted, it was a unique situation and it rubbed me the wrong way, but I had them for years and whatever. Uh, but like Ally is another good one. But the ability to export your financial data and behaviors and trends is super powerful. I'll give you two examples. I moved to Greenville, South Carolina for work, and my finances changed because I used to live in Brandon, which is more of a suburban type environment in um, uh, Florida. And then I moved to Greenville, where I live closer to downtown, which what? That change for me was my activities and how often I used to eat out. So with Simple Bank, I was able to see, holy shit, my um, expenses on food and entertainment went up 300 bucks. Uh, I think it was uh, every two weeks or something like that. And then the same thing happened when I moved down here, except for I kind of understood what was going on. I was waiting for a move. And then it was almost like 900 to $1,000 that I was spending on going out. So when I instantly looked at, oh, my goodness, where is my money going? I could pull it out and say, I'm spending this amount of money on food and entertainment. And then you can get even further into it to see. I used to break it down to see how much I would spend three days after I would get paid. And I was like, if I just find other things to do after I get paid, I could save myself <laughs> like two, three hundred bucks. So having a bank that breaks that out for you so you can identify your behaviors is a good way to self-correct. And that was one thing that I learned is 
after I get paid, like I should not, you know, oh my God, I got paid time to go to happy hour. It's like, just wait a week and you'll probably be a little bit better. And Hey, if you want to put just buy a bottle of wine and account, enjoy it in your living room. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, don't go out to eat like three times a week, cut it down to one. And like, you literally can see my average bill it's when I go nice. out is like 55, 60 bucks. Here's how I can put that money back in my account. But right. a lot of people you need just some don't good points, know. Julian. Right. I agree 100%. Um, one podcast that really helped me make uh, the leaps that I've made is Afford Anything. And it just really, it teaches you how to allocate your money. So like, I'm not living on any less amount, like, but I'm, I'm allocating it differently so that I can then uh, make different decisions and different moves. So I really like that podcast. Um, yeah, so. Um, my only suggestion is check your credit once a year. You have a opportunity. Ooh, check your credit once a month. Well, no, it's not every, free, it's free every, once a year. Well, it's free once a year, and then there's three different companies. So you can technically get three credit reports, I believe, a year. Yeah, that's Sarah, can we talk about uh, sponsoring opportunities? Because I'm going to put you <laughs> on to something. It's called creditkarma.com. You could check it. I literally check that thing every week like it's Tinder. Don't you have to well, pay every for time that? you check Sorry. your credit, doesn't it bring your credit down? Well, Credit Karma uh, is for credit score. Yes, it is. If you want a credit report. Like a full look into like what like lines of credit have been opened under your name, like with all the breaches oh, going no. on. It gives you all of that stuff. The only thing, actually, you can do everything on Credit Karma. You and this is free? Transaction. This is free. And then to your point, Soraya, um, that does not ruin your credit. So that's the difference between a soft inquiry and a hard inquiry. A soft inquiry is where somebody has touched your credit to just to see where you are. A hard inquiry, which does impact your credit score, is where you've actually said, I'm looking to open up a new line of credit, i.e., home loan, credit card, or auto, or personal telephone, loan, you're saying. Loan, yeah. Telephone, um, that's a soft inquiry because they're checking your credit to see where you would belong within like their payment structure. Do you need to have like a security deposit? This is when you're saying, I need money from you. Like I need a home loan. Right. I so if you're loan. just reviewing your actual report, it's... Yes. So I, you, I, I'm always weird about know, that like stuff, but MasterCard and they say you've been pre-approved. That's because they did a soft inquiry on you. They know that you have X amount of things that are out there. They can only see limited amount of data, but they can go. This person is like 90 percent. Um, uh, there's a 90 percent chance. Of I mean, they send those those pre-approvals uh, to like kids and you're like, this person isn't even old enough to. So bring an open a bank account. So that is I guess, a soft yeah, I understand what you're saying. Oh, and my same thing. And my last one is try to have different streams of income coming in. Um, if you start it like if, if you have a basic job that has a minimum wage salary, that's cool, that's fine. But then find like a side hustle because it you um I think the way that personally I've been taught, which is just like how society has taught. Um, my parents is to have like your major stream of income, which is like coming from a job. And when you have multiple streams of income coming in, it um, helps alleviate some pressures of paying certain bills and having like having certain of your budget being al allocated differently. So mine is credit score and different streams of income. Uh, 
Well, thanks, guys. All this right. has been a very thorough conversation about finances. Um, check out those um, suggestions that they gave. So it's Mint, Credit Karma. Different bank institutions. Ali. Al- yep. Ali, Ali or Ally? That was like Ally. Ally and Simple Bank. Simple Bank. Simple Bank. And there's much more out there. So just Google will do you wonders. Um, I would say my other piece of advice is... Um, and this is a newer one, and it is a little bit more. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's harder uh, to do, and it's not seen as like a social norm. But just be open and honest about your pay. One of the things that I found, especially working in corporate America, is like there have just been drastic amount of pay differences. And I think as African American women, you would understand that. Um, and I have seen as, yeah, the more light that is shine is like, here's what I'm getting paid and here's what uh, you're getting paid. Um, there have been times where I've seen it reconcile where it's like, oh, we've had an imbalance because, you know, the market has adjusted for somebody who was hired in 2019 versus somebody that got hired in at 2005. Right. Um, and I have seen it happen multiple times where at my level where it's like, holy crap, because you can see different pay bands and it's like, why is this person getting paid this much? And it's just little things like that. And honestly, I think it really benefits corporations to have um, that whole notion of don't talk about your pay because at the end of the day, it makes it a little bit less um, um, easier for you to say, this is what I think I'm worth because really nobody knows what they're worth. They just hear an offer and they know, oh, well, that's what I feel comfortable with compared to Jimmy down the street or in the next cubicle making, you know, 25% more than you are just because he actually negotiated when you didn't realize that you could negotiate different stuff like that. Right. I get that. Um, well, thanks Julian. That's for that advice. Corporate tip. Mm, The more you know, we'll make that a segment. Corporate tip. The more, you know, um, all right. right, So that's it.